there's someone you should meet. Welcome in, friends. There's someone you should meet. My guest today is a woman of many, many talents. She is an actor, a producer, a writer, influencer, a poet. The The list goes on. Um, for reference, I think my biggest talent is I can pat my head and rub my belly at the same time. <laughs> I think that's my best talent. But uh, when she's not getting into character or typing up a scene, my guest creates hilarious reels and is the ultimate relatable millennial through her handle, Hannah M. Hines on Instagram and TikTok. Ladies and gents, please welcome Mrs. Hannah Marine Hines. Hannah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, um, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we, appre- we appreciate it. Um, I had a, I have a multitude of questions for you, but sure. the number, by the top, by the top one I had, cause I saw it recent, I uh, saw it recently. Uh, I actually needed you to give a prediction for me. Oh, and that okay. is when, uh, when is Russell Wilson going to win a Super Bowl for the Denver Broncos? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Hopefully soon. We're like, I know that there have been franchises that have had rougher seasons than the Broncos. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> it's been a rough few years for Broncos fans and we're pretty like diehard at our house like my husband and I are both originally from Denver (laughs) even though we live in in Los Angeles now so we're pumped to have Russell Wilson because I feel like our quarterback situation has been inconsistent I'll be kind and I'll just say like inconsistent it's been like the issue for like yes ever since Peyton Manning retired and then like every season it's like so we're not gonna lock down a more reliable court (laughs) okay cool all right I guess we're gonna just do this again this year so yeah I'm I'm super pumped about Russell Wilson and my husband is too so we're so excited yeah I have some friends I have some friends in the Denver area Denver area that were equally excited and uh, I saw I saw that on your account the other yeah the other day and uh just had had to ask so you grew up in in the Denver area what uh, what part most yeah, I um when I was very small, I lived in Ohio, but I lived in Denver a lot longer. So I feel like more of a Coloradan than an Ohioan. Ohioan? <laughs> I'll tell um, I'll allow it. I'll go to Ohioan. Ohioan? <laughs> um yeah, so I would definitely feel like more of a Coloradan. I lived there from basically like early middle school until I moved to Los Angeles about like 12 years ago. So Okay. Yeah. And so did you grow I guess grow up with uh John Elway Bronco? Yes. All, all around the house. Yeah. I feel like we moved there the year they won the Super Bowl against the Packers, if okay. I remember correctly. Okay. Um, and so it was exciting to be moving to a city that had a really good football team. Um, I wasn't like super hardcore sports at the time, but I was still pumped about it. And then it's funny because when we moved to Los Angeles, we almost got more hardcore because you feel like when you leave your home, you have to like rep your team extra hard. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, yes. so yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. So well, uh, well, Von Miller, uh, he went. Uh, no. I, uh, he went to the college I went to. So oh, I nice! So-, so I have a soft spot for the Broncos. I know, and we rooted for for the Rams in the Super Bowl because they got Von Miller. He's one of our favorite players, so we were like, okay, we'll we'll root for the Rams. So we were happy they won. <laughs> Uh, was that a win-win for you? Since you're in Los Angeles now, yeah. is there any kind of Ram- Rams fandom there? I mean, or? it's it's up and coming, I guess you could say LA is not really a big football town, but like everyone loves to rally around winning teams. <laughs> people got like, if people in LA got excited, I know a few like genuine Rams fans and fans in LA, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. We were happy to root for them. We got really, we got the stomach flu that weekend. So it was a very subdued oh. Super Bowl in our house. But, um, yeah. I hear you. I hear very cool. Very cool. I had to start off <laughs> with, mm-hmm. with that. So, um, uh, 
You yeah. posted recently, so you just you just wrapped on a uh, on writing a screenplay, um, mm -hmm. which uh, more details will come come yeah. as it as they come. Um, but I'm just I'm fascinated to know just what what was that process uh, for for you like? You know, or yeah. were you just did you just open the computer to a blank blank page and start start going? Kind of what was kind of your your path of uh, getting at least a uh, your current draft uh, completed? Yeah, you know, um, I'm going to be honest, if I would go back to like a year ago, Hannah, and be like, you're going to be on a podcast talking about a screenplay you just wrote, I'd be like, you're a liar. Because it was so sort of outside the realm of anything that I expected for my career. I had done some writing, I'd written short. Um, but I, uh, long story short, knew someone in creative development who was looking for some romantic comedy features. And I just started pitching some ideas and ended up uh, formally pitching a feature concept and was put under contract to write it. Um, so the process was really varied in the sense that I, I, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest, like I, I, I'm very green, you know what I mean? Like, so I essentially just did my research, my little like type A self, like sat down with screenwriting books and was like, okay, I want to make sure I do this right. Um, especially when it comes to structure. And so when I sat down to write it, I had already, um, gotten executive approval on a very, very detailed outline, like scene by scene outline. And so I just pulled up my little scene by scene outline next to my screenwriting software and literally just scene by scene started to write it just like chipping away. Um, I do have more work to do in the sense that this is, I just finished my first draft and then I'll get notes and then I'll have to do revisions. And like, there's, there's more work to be done. Um, but I really wanted to knowing when my deadline was wanted to finish it about a week and a half before my deadline so that I could proofread and give it to some trusted friends to get feedback on. And so that's kind of the phase that I'm in now, but it's, it's really been just a matter of sitting down to the blank page and saying, okay, Hannah, let's get six pages in today. And so that's what I've been, I've just been cranking away. It's been crazy. So you're a performer first. Absolutely. I guess, uh, uh, I guess preparing, you know, coming into the, this, this realm, um, your experience as a performer and just past experience, how did that kind of help, help guide, guide you um, in the screenwriting realm? It helped a lot more than I expected um, because I've been acting professionally since I was a senior in college. So quite some time. And I absorbed more than I realized about what good dialogue looks like just by being an actor, by performing, by reading sites for auditions, by reading scripts, that kind of thing. And so I know what it feels like as an actor to pick up some pages and be like, these words don't feel natural in my mouth. Like this isn't, doesn't feel the way a real person would speak. And I found that to be extremely useful when I sat down to write dialogue. Um, the only way I know to look at a script really up to this point is as an actor. So I would imagine that I was an actor picking up, picking up these pages and say, okay, what would I think if I read this dialogue, I was prepping for an audition Would this feel natural. Does this feel fun to play? And so I kind of have been going through the process with that lens on pretty heavily. Um, it's been helpful. Dialogue does kind of fascinate me in movies because you're trying to accomplish something that sounds real, but I guess not too real because if right. you're like completely authentic there'd be a lot of ums and stutters and right. and, right. and and pauses you mentioned kind of how your experience kind of in, informed that so mm -hmm. but how, how did you kind of uh, toe, toe that line of kind of wanting to create some uh, authentic sounding like a real mm -hmm. conversation but you also you know it right. needs to be good good for a film there's a there's a playwright that I really love uh named Neil Labute who's 
pretty well known who writes the way people speak with tons of ums and errs and it, memorizing his dialogue as an actor is really kind of a nightmare because of that. But also when you deliver it, you really feel like you're living in it, right? Because it's so hyper real. There's like the whole mumblecore movement that like the Duplass brothers popularized years ago, where it is, it's like very much how we speak. And then you've got like super stylized dialogue, for example, like a Sorkin dialogue. Um, and I, I don't think there's a wrong way to do it, but I had hoped to land in a comfortable in-between uh, where it is intentional enough that it doesn't feel like completely unnatural and mumbly, but at the same time, there are some ums and some <clears throat> and some, you know what I mean? Things like that in there to color it. Um, and I also would hope that when the actors read it, there's not so much of that, that they don't feel like they can put their own spin on it too. Right. Um, so yeah, I tried to find a happy medium and, and I'm still learning what my voice is as a screenwriter because I'm so new to it. So I, I think it will evolve as I go on. Did you notice kind of um, any key differences when it comes to your own kind of personal headspace, um, comparing, you know, preparing for a singular role that you're kind of going to perform versus mm -hmm. trying to tell an entire story from multiple oh, yeah. perspectives? As, as an actor, for me, maybe because I've been doing it as long as I have, it's more coming from a place of instinct at this point. Um, it's gotten less cerebral um, and more kind of wild, creative, instinctive. I like to draw on like imagery for inspiration and like wardrobe and music and all sorts of things. Whereas like I found, and maybe it's because I'm new to writing, I'm not sure, but it's like, a, it's much more cerebral. It's much more formulaic. I'm trying to fit that, the script formula and format well. In both circumstances, I'm thinking about character arcs, where I want this character to start, where I want them to end, making sure they're likable enough, um, but also that there's a good amount of conflict. So like those things apply to both, but at least for me thus far, writing has been way more of like a mind puzzle, whereas acting is feels more like play. I don't know if that'll ever shift for me in May. Right. Know. Without trying to give, you know, details sure. into what, what's going on through your journey of writing this, did the story, uh, did you have any kind of vision for it that may have evolved or changed like by the time you're finished with it, as far as maybe maybe a character yeah. you saw one way turned out to be another was there any kind of let you yeah. know curveballs or anything like that as you were uh going about it that's a great question i uh, the main thing i felt like i kind of knew my leads pretty well from the beginning but i really enjoyed discovering who my supporting were um so originally i sort of imagined it as like her having sort of like one main supporting friend but then i found that when i rounded it out with two and they were like a trio that like the dialogue sparkled more and i the third character that i rounded out is really a lot of fun to write and and then another supporting character the b storyline involves her dad the lead's dad and i and him sort of discovering love in like his post-retirement years, which was super fun to explore the way that, you know, a boomer would handle dialogue versus these like very millennial characters. And I, I just enjoyed that so much and kind of discovering who, who he is. So yeah, my supportings were the ones that I feel like I've discovered along the way for sure. And appreciated along the way. I love that. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you had experience writing, you wrote a, a short uh, mm -hmm. with the previous film, a uh, Sally, yeah. am I pronouncing it right? Sealy, so, yeah. Sealy, sorry. That's okay. um, so that was another one that you wrote. Um, I guess was it uh, more freeing or was it more cha challenging when you're come when you've written something that's eight minutes now to something that's maybe a couple couple hours or around? That oh my gosh! Area? Did that become a challenge for you, or were you like, oh yes, I get to 
expand expound more on oh it's scary like for sure um knowing like oh cool so i've written nine pages <laughs> of a script before and now i'm going to write 99 pages um so yeah i mean it was really intimidating to get into the feature space um but once i found that i got my hands on good resources about how story structure for that length of film works then once I had that framework and I understood it, it wasn't as intimidating, but yeah. Oh my gosh. Initially it was like, okay, well, I've done this in like, um, a microcosm sense with this like nine minute short that I wrote and granted, like the fundamentals are all there without, we've got a beginning, a middle and an end. Our characters have a journey. Like I had to sort of learn how to write with a certain amount of comic timing for Sealy. Um, but it very much felt like a tiny seed. And like, now I'm having to like, build you know grow this like fully formed plant so um yeah it felt like it still feels like a big leap truthfully from one to the uh, next the previous the film uh Sealy, uh yeah for for people listening it is a it's a one it's a wonderful 10 minutes to uh to spend um find it on uh on vimeo or that's how i got to got to see it it felt just something that was really a at least, at least the way it came off on the screen it felt like something that was really per- personal um to you and i know it's been a kind of couple years since but i've um since watching it i've just that's been one of the top things i've wanted to know is kind of just mm-hmm. what was your personal uh, personal journey behind it, i guess with coming up with that idea and kind of that scenario so for the for the listener it's about someone co- going in for a a certain type of procedure and uh happen- and then a, a a priest happens uh yeah. to, wa- to, uh, to walk in and it kind of turns into a to a to a funny but also kind of profound conver- uh, conversation between between the two so that's kind of the that's a really good summary thank oh. you <laughs> <laughs> um thank you for that yes, so but go ahead Sealy was super personal and for that reason took me forever to work up the courage to actually write it for such for so many years i was really hell-bent on just being an actor i had kind of boxed my boxed myself in and I got the concept idea for Sealy. I, I kid you not, like a full nine years before I actually sat down to wrote it. I mean, it took me forever to get past this, like, I'm just an actor mindset and shift into something else. Um, I'm, I'm a practicing Catholic. And so that obviously themes of faith and like this young priest that comes in onto the scene, like those are informed by my life. I um, have a late friend um, father Stephen, who is a young priest at a previous parish that I went to, who I became friends with. And sadly, he, he passed away a few years ago of cancer, but, um, father Peter, who I wrote in the short Sealy very much had his sort of like ethos of being very like funny and kind, but also young and somewhat new to being a priest. And I felt like that was a perspective of that calling that you don't see a lot. Usually it's like old crusty monsignors, right? Like, you don't, you don't see these like young 30 something guys who are like pretty gung ho. Um, and so it was really personal in that way that, that father Peter was informed by, you know, in some ways inspired by someone that I knew and I've never had plastic surgery, like the lead character in the film, but I sort of wanted to examine this question of, you know, I'm very much a modern millennial in the world, me, myself, and, but I'm also a part of a faith that's kind of like an ancient tradition And I find myself asking the question often, can these things coexist in me peaceably? Can I be very like much like kind of modern and in the world, but also a person of faith and a faith that is ancient. Um, And so in Seely's encounter with Father Peter, I kind of wanted to toy with that of like, what happens when you mash these two things together? This like very modern person with like this very religious person, can they coexist? What does that conversation look like? And I 
because all those themes are kind of larger and also very personal, it took me freaking forever to have the courage to write it. It took forever. And I finally did it uh, with the encouragement of our director, Scott Ledger. He um, early in the writing process really was cheerleading me to do it. And I, I appreciated that very much. That kind of helped give me that extra push. That's amazing. And I'm very happy that you, that you did because it was the one, it was, a one it was a joy. It was a joy to watch. Um, so you mentioned just kind of that, the, the time that you were, you were just determined to stay on the, on the actor path. Were you thinking that you were like straying away from that, you know, to, to write a story um, mm-hmm. like this or kind of what, what were some kind of the key, key thoughts of kind of wanting to st- stay like in kind of one and one it arena? Was, it's kind of an old school way of thinking because in the last five to 10 years, we've seen actors shift into writing and producing their own content. Um, but I kind of was stuck in this old way of thinking of like, um, I shouldn't have to do it all. I just want to be good at one thing, right? Like I went to school for this one thing. I went to school for acting and I worked as an actor for years. And so there's a part of me that was really almost in that like tantrum sort of way of like, oh, I don't have to want to, I don't want to have to learn this new skill and do all this other stuff. Like I'm already running one business. I don't want to do another business, you know? And so I was being stubborn about it. And I also think there's a temptation for me personally. And, and I, I'm, would be curious to hear if other actors feel this way too, where you're so afraid of anything, taking your focus and energy away from focusing on acting, because it is so difficult to succeed in that sphere that you're afraid if you start to shift your focus towards other things that you're somehow going to lose ground, right. In, in the acting world. And I, truthfully, I, what I'm discovering and what I'm learning to accept is that that's not the case at all. Like you can do both. You can be both these things and more, but it was, I had some like really closed minded ways of thinking about artistry and creativity that were hindering me for a long time. And what I found really refreshing about, uh, I'm sorry to bash about Celie because I just, I just really enjoyed it. So oh, thank you. I'm so glad. <laughs> wanted to know about it. Uh, what I found really refresh, refreshing about it is kind of this intersection of life and faith, faith mm-hmm. and, uh, in my personal opinion, I feel like when faith comes into film or or art, um, I feel like there's a struggle to be prescriptive with 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 it, and it kind of and it sh- and it shows, and it kind of it kind of takes away from from story and from kind of the experience mm-hmm. that is watching a film. And I thought that was a great thing that you did in your in your story is that it was a part of a story without being like you know, this is, you know, this is the answer or mm-hmm. something, you know, by mm-hmm. having, by having faith, everything's going to be okay. Sure. Um, uh, I'm curious, I'm curious to know, I guess, from that experience and then just kind of continue and continuing in your own journey, mm-hmm. I guess, what, what do you think is kind of the, the key, I guess, for, for film or maybe in television? Cause I feel like, uh, I feel like the best arts I find, uh, that deal with faith, actually, I feel like they're usually Catholic stories. Like one of my, oh, interesting. like one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite stories now on Disney Plus. That's a free plug for them, but uh, um, <laughs> is the the Marvel Daredevil. Yes. Oh my gosh, uh, the, I love Daredevil film, and he's and he's famously a Catholic and dealing with yes, Catholic guilt right. all the all the time. And I, I'm yeah. I grew up Catholic Catholic okay. as well, um, uh-huh. so a little bit of experience experience there. So, but I guess uh, you know with that story and then kind of moving forward, um, mm-hmm. do you have ideas of kind of what's what's the key on kind of being able to portray faith and how it's you know mm-hmm. Um, how it's important to a character without mm-hmm. without trying to you know push an agenda right without it feeling like it's like beating you over the head with it before, it was a concern course, yeah. I had yeah it was a concern I had with Seely because it was like I I want this to be about I want this to be a short that pe- someone of any perspective or background 
religious, non-religious can appreciate. Um, I, I mean, part of it was that I think I was the only really expressly religious person on the set of that film or in that film. Um, I collaborated with people kind of of a lot of different backgrounds. And I think that helps sort of produce something that can be consumed by people of different, of different perspectives. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I have the answer. I, I guess because what I was doing was aiming to not, I was not trying to create faith-based content. I wanted to create content that had a theme of faith in it. Um, and coming from that perspective, I think to help find the balance. Yeah, but it's it's a tricky line to walk. And I truthfully am grateful because what I'm working on now doesn't have any religious theme. It's like a straight up romantic comedy. It doesn't necessarily have any of those like larger faith themes. And it I've found there to be ease in that because it is really tricky to navigate. It's really tricky to navigate faith themes in a way that doesn't feel like, like you said, like prescriptive, like this is, this is the way, you know what I mean? And that's, that's it. I, I really wanted to explore these characters, humanness and their kindness. And I think those are universal themes. That's a wonderful way to put it. So for you're coming out of the latest round with your current, your current yeah. screenplay, I think you mentioned there's so a little bit like uh, reviews and, you know, other kind of re reworks for mm -hmm. it before it's kind of final and com right. complete, I guess, coming out of coming out of this round and look, looking back on the journey that was what has kind of been one of the biggest things you you've learned from this uh, experience that you've expressed you that you're uh, that you're green. in, mm -hmm, as, very. As, as you said, so what is something, I guess, taking forward maybe to the next round or to your next story that mm -hmm. you write? Uh, what's something that you've learned? You know, there's actually a very hot Twitter debate happening right now on screenwriting Twitter about whether or not writers should outline before they write. Um, I don't listen. I don't have a dog in that fight. Like, and I, I truly don't think there's a right or a wrong way to do it. Um, so I would disclaimer what I've learned is what works for me personally. Um, and that is that I've learned I work really well with an outline. Like I work really well with an outline ahead of time that's like pretty detailed. And then I feel free within the context of that outline to have fun with the dialogue and sort of improvise within that. But I've learned that for me personally, I think likely going forward, I will always have a pretty detailed outline. It just, it made it really simple for me to sit down and just knowing more or less what is coming next is really helpful for me. Um, there were times where I was like, Ooh, I feel like we need a little scene in here with so-and-so. And I would just plug that in obviously as I was going, or there were scenes that I combined or took out, you know, I'm, I'm not totally beholden to it, but I found that for me personally, the outline helps, but I hesitate to say it because people on Twitter are very upset about this. <laughs> so not shaming the non-outliners. Like, I mean, whatever you got to do, I'm new. It, it, it worked for me. It worked for me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's fascinating. I did not know that that was uh, going on. So for a non Twitter is very intense. It's it's a lot. <laughs> I can imagine. I can yeah. I can I can imagine for the not for like the pro non outline. What uh -huh. is their key? Is the are they just wanting to jump into it? And yeah, and let this and let the story them? kind of lead. Yeah, and I and kind of follow the muse, which I totally respect. And I feel like as an actor, I do that quite a bit. Just let kind of let inspiration lead, and maybe once. I understand the structure better. It becomes more like second nature. I won't need an outline as much, but I, I, I definitely found that I, at least at this stage, really need it. And it really helps me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, from the writing side to the act, acting side, uh, I yeah. wanted to ask, so what, uh, what's your earliest memory of uh, performing? Was it something that started at a, at a young age or did it develop later? You know, sort of recreationally, it started at a young age. Um, I, I remember very early 
you being excited about being in like the school nativity play and like rushing home and memorizing my like one line is like, what was it? The like innkeeper number two, right? Like I definitely remember a feeling of excitement. And, and when I did as a young child, get on stage for the first time in that, you know, nativity player, we, there were like some community plays where I grew up as well feeling like, oh, this feels so much easier to me than sports or math or all of the things that felt tricky, like being on stage and, and acting. There was such an ease. It just felt so natural. But I didn't really piece together like, oh, this is a thing I should do professionally until much, 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 much later, like high school. Um, but I, yeah, even at a young age, I remember loving it, uh, being shy in person, but feeling very comfortable on stage. All right. So an extroverted introvert. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people never believe me, but I am very introverted. I get really overwhelmed by crowds, Um, but I do great with one-on-one conversations. So it was ideal for podcasts, right? Like, yes, this is, this is great, but like group conversations, like to go to a cocktail party where I don't know hardly anyone. That's like my living nightmare. (laughs) I don't know. Gosh, uh, that I can, I can relate to that. I'm I'm very much at the group, the, the, the larger the group grows, the further Yes. I fade. Yes. And then you gotta <laughs> like go to the bathroom and like take a breather, right? Like you gotta like take breaks. Strategize. It's like so overstimulating. Yeah. So like <laughs> acting always felt like really comfortable and extroverted in, in that sense, but like, but yeah, oh, parties <laughs> not my strong suit. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. So yeah. what uh growing up or as you started performing and doing more plays, what was uh looking back, what was the first performance or story that you're a part of that you came away and you're like, man, mm-hmm. I did, I did really well or something. Or I, yeah. I was really proud. I was really proud of that. What, what's the first one you can remember kind of those um, excited feelings for? Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I do remember doing a, like a summer theater camp where I had done a scene from like, I think it might've been like steel magnolias or something. And feeling like it was really fun and kind of a rush. And, but it's funny because as a teen, which I was at the time, like you just, you don't have much um, personal insight, right? Like um, much perspective, but I I had a friend's, not even a friend, like an acquaintance's dad. Cause of course, like, listen, I have great supportive parents. So they're always going to be like, you're amazing. You're so good. You know, really wonderful. So of course, like I'm going to get positive feedback from them, but like someone I hardly knew my acquaintance's dad came up and said, that was, that was good work. And I said, thanks. And he said, you know, you could do that for a living. And genuinely the thought had not occurred to me, like, and hearing it from someone who had no personal investment in like me or my future, who just kind of gave that as feedback. It was like mind blown. Like, oh, was I, I guess I was good. And I guess I could do this. You know what I mean? Like hearing it from someone different. I don't know for me that kind of like flipped a switch. So you kind of hear that feedback. I feel, I would feel like that would be a really huge decision be like, all right, I'm going to take this mm-hmm. step and go, go after that. What mm-hmm. was, uh, was it something that like, was there a connection that kind of helped, helped you get out to LA or wherever you moved mm-hmm. to, to get, to get started? Or was it you're on, you're on your own and kind of went, went for it. So what is kind of beginning that journey lo- uh, look like? Yeah. So I, I went to the university of Northern Colorado, Colorado and studied theater arts and acting in theater arts and got some really good training there. And then my husband and I lived in Denver for a couple of years and I just pretty much did theater. I did get an agent for on-screen work who I still just love. And she still reps me there locally, um, in Denver. Um, but pretty much when I made the jump to LA, it was starting from scratch. I mean, not, in, I mean, 
not totally from scratch in the sense that like I had worked, but as far as relationship and connections, um, there wasn't really much of anybody in LA that could like give me a hookup. And so it was, it was a big leap and it did take, I mean, I think like two full years of hustling hard before I got much traction at all, got repped, started doing some on-camera work, doing some theater, that kind of thing. I mean, it's, it was tough. It was tough to break in, but I'd been warned that it would be. So it wasn't, at least it wasn't a surprise, you know? Right. Right. So Mm -hmm. uh, we're just, uh, we're relating on the on the party environment and the, oh, yeah. and the stresses, yeah. stresses of that. So yeah. you're, so you're in this, um, you're in this stage where, as you, as you put it, you're, hu- you're hustling kind of grind, grinding mint. Was that mm-hmm. um, a stressful part for you to kind of put yourself out there in that, in that kind of, that kind of way, what were kind of the keys, keys for you to kind of stay, stay the course mm-hmm. um, per se and kind of keep pushing? You know, I've always been really goal oriented. So staying focused on my goals is actually usually not the problem. The problem that I run into is tunnel vision and that I start to neglect the other areas of my life and who I am in pursuit of that thing. And so I actually found the challenge in the early years was more to have a well-rounded happy life in a, you know, in addition to, or alongside pursuing acting. Uh, but staying focused and staying motivated was never the issue. It was like, oh, nothing's happening for me in the acting area of my life. So now I'm unhappy. And my husband and my mom spoke some really good, like wisdom into that season of like, listen, like you, if you're not enjoying your life, like if your life isn't rich outside of that one thing, like you could really be setting yourself up for years of unhappiness and feeling unfulfilled. And so I made a really conscious effort once I kind of came to terms with that to enrich areas of my life outside of that pursuit. And that obviously, um, was really fruitful. It, it ends up being fruitful in your career as well. Cause you're just like a happier, more well-rounded person, but it took a while for me to like bring the tunnel vision down a couple notches, if that makes sense. Uh, may I ask, I guess, what, what, what were some of those areas mm-hmm. kind of around you that kind of helped, uh, enlighten you? You know, my mom, so my mom works in healthcare and she said something real smart. She's smart. She said, you know, for healthcare workers, the occupational hazard is that we care for only other people and not ourselves. She said, I think the occupational hazard for many artists is they care only for themselves and not for other people. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And so I started volunteering. She basically was like, you need to start giving back to the community um, to get outside of yourself. Um, And I, I think that was such good advice. So for Years, I was um, volunteering quite a bit at the church that we're involved at, also at a no-kill animal shelter I was involved with for a few years, helping them and running some of their social media and getting into the community and doing good in that space really rounded out my life in a way that was needed and also obviously is super good for the community. So that that was key for me. And that's advice that I give any actor coming to LA is like, find hobbies, find volunteering opportunities outside of it. So that you aren't just living for this one thing, you know, over the past couple of years, a lot of stuff has, has happened, yeah. uh, for, uh, for you when it comes to, you know, audi- auditioning and find and finding roles, has that, has there been much evolution to that process kind of as, you know, both just current, current events going on, mm-hmm. but then also kind of, uh, you know, with, with streaming kind of the more, more mm-hmm. avenues of which, uh, film and tv is distributed now right. has that has that changed the auditioning process or kind of looking out for roles yeah it has i mean before the pandemic i'd say probably like one fourth of my auditions were self-tape like remote um 
So it was already becoming, that was already becoming more common practice, but since the pandemic, it's literally been only remote, like fully remote self-tape auditions. Um, I know a few actors who've gone out for a couple in-person commercial auditions, but really like, at least from what I'm hearing and what I've experienced, it's been all remote. And there are advantages to that in the sense that you're not having to like go to an audition at a specific time across town and, you know, get a sitter. Don't mind my cat there. Um, you know, get a sitter and make a certain appointment, you know, use gas or whatever. So there's advantages, but I really miss being in the room in person with casting. Like, I think there's so much connection that can happen um, and feedback you can get from them. And also so much of yourself that you can show them about your professionalism and your timeliness and how well you prepare. You can show all of them, them all of that in the room, but when you're just taping at home, you're not getting feedback. You're sort of creating in a vacuum. So definitely there's been this shift, not all negative, of course, but to creating in a, what it feels like creating in a vacuum a little bit. So doing a remote, how have you kind of pushed yourself to, to connect the things that you're missing out mm. from in, per, in person, I guess, how have you adjusted in the remote setting? It's, uh, it's been helpful that one of my neighbors is also a good actor friend of mine. And so she'll be my reader for my auditions and I'll be her reader for her auditions occasionally. Um, and so then you can at least be reading off of another actor and also give each other a little bit of feedback if that's like the type of comfortable friendship relationship that you have, which we do. And so that helps with the connectedness because early in the pandemic, I was mostly reading with my husband who's like a lovely, generous person, but by his own admission, like not an actor, you know what I mean? And not someone who's prepared to like give creative feedback. And so when I switched to trying to prioritize reading with other actors or other people in the industry, I found that the audition process, the remote audition process became a little bit more, it just became fuller, uh, more creative and a little bit more fun for me, probably produce better auditions, I would say. Well, dur during that time uh, on a new avenue, you've, yeah. uh, you've sprouted a quite quite the following on 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 instagram and on social media in general um, and videos that give me they they make me laugh throughout throughout the week and I'm glad. Uh, give me give me a uh, fuel to get through get through the grind of the work <laughs> the work day <laughs> how did the, those pages uh develop for you specifically like the because uh, you seem to have a common theme of uh be, being millennial and navigating yes. this thing called life so how to, uh, yeah. how to kind of creating that page develop for you you know, about, it was just over a year ago that I started making reels and TikToks. Um, and I had been present and using social media professionally as an actor for years. And I started to recognize, look, like everything's going to video. And if I don't start to make this kind of content, I'm going to become irrelevant on this app. Like, um, and I had tried honestly to learn to make them twice before, like, and been overwhelmed and given up before I like actually was like, okay, today's the day I'm going to sit down and figure this out. There was a learning curve for me. It did not come naturally. Um, and so once I figured out the logistics, I started to make videos about a number of topics, kind of like throwing spaghetti against the wall because I, I wasn't sure what was going to stick. So like, if you go back to my really early stuff, it's like some of it's humor about being a parent to a toddler, which I am. Some of it is about being an actor. And then I started to make some millennial specific content. And like, as soon as I started making millennial specific content, they just, the videos started going viral. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just stick in this vein mostly, you know, there's like other stuff. I don't just make content about that, but largely it's about that because that seems to be what gets a good response. And so I was like, well, I guess this is the direction I'm going to go. And it's also the perspective with which, through which I'm going life with, right? Like I'm a millennial in the world. And in the last few years have really had to confront getting older and it hasn't been easy. 
Um, and so it's something that, that I can, I can relate to and clearly other people can as well. So that's the kind of truthfully, what led me to focus on that topic is simply the traction that it got was pretty remarkable. I know you mentioned yeah, kind of the, the millennial journey. I feel like we're just kind of in a space right now where a lot of things are being experienced, <laughs> experienced and yeah, the way, uh, the way that you, uh, post them. It just, it strike it strikes a chord for, I'm uh, glad. for sure. Uh, I pre- I'm very appreciative of it. Whenever speaking to uh, to an actor, I'm, there's always just some uh, questions. I'm always just fat, just about movies in general that I'm fa- sure. fascinated to learn. So I'm just going to go, go with them. So who's a performer, who's a performer, uh, actor um, that if they're, if their films come coming out, you're going to be first in line or, mm. um, or, or watch it as soon as you can? Um, I think I think that Leonardo DiCaprio is like the best living actor. Um, that's not a controversial statement. I think a lot of people agree. Yeah. Um, there's something about the energy that he brings to everything that he does. He's like a hurricane. And so I'm always curious to see what he's doing next, even if it's not the type of movie that I would normally like go for, I'll go see it. You know what I mean? Or I'll watch it at home now, like mostly, but um, he's someone that I seek out. And then there are certain directors that I get really excited about whatever they're making. Steven Spielberg, I'll like watch every movie he ever makes. And um, Dennis Villeneuve, I just saw Dune and I loved it. So like yes. his, his last few films, I've really, really loved, even though I don't consider myself a super sci-fi person. Um, so yeah, also I'll like seek out certain directors work. Oh, amazing. Those are all the correct answer. So. Oh, good. I'm glad. I, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I had, yeah, I had it written down and, you know, checked them all off. So, uh, oh, great. Glad to hear it. <laughs> um, so se- uh, secondly, what would, uh, what would you think are some of the kind of the biggest misperception, uh, misconceptions that, that you come come across in your profession? People always, one of the first questions I get when they find out that I'm an actor, if there's someone who's not in the industry is they always want to talk to me about kissing scenes. Like they want to know <laughs> what that's like. And I think there's this very, because I have played romantic lead that type of role the most in, in my career. And there's this misconception that it's like this intensely like sexy experience to kiss someone on screen or have any kind of like, sort of like physical intimacy or whatever make out. And it's not, that and I cannot stress enough how not sexy it is because it, I immediately revert to like sixth grade girl version of myself who's like like doesn't what am I doing where do I put my hands like it's very it's like deeply uncomfortable and it's um also you aren't really getting lost in that moment because there's like you're mic'd there's like gear all around you you're being directed um you may or may not know your co-star very well and so I think a common misconception is like Ooh, like that must be the most fun part of your job. And while it's not terrible, it's, it's, it's exactly that. It's just a part of your job, right? Like it's just part of your day. It's not like this, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's not something that you're like, Ooh, I get to kiss my co-star today. You're like, Oh God, I hope I don't look weird. I hope my nose doesn't get squished. I hope I turn the right way. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not what I think a lot of people think it is. Well, I'm scr- I have to scratch off my next question. Then, uh... <laughs> Yeah. So uh, I would uh, I would think that one of your uh, questions is uh, I feel like uh, especially when someone like is married or de- or mm-hmm. has a significant other mm-hmm. I would I would be afraid you have to come across those questions of like oh what is what your yes. husband think about that is about the that? other <laughs> most that's the other most common question. Yeah. Um, my husband and I have known each other since we were we met when we were seventeen. Um, we we didn't start dating until right before college, but 
I was already doing theater at that time that he met me. And so me being an actor on stage, pretending to be in in love with other people has kind of always just been a part of like my life as long as he has known me. And so thankfully, because there's like a really, we have a really strong relationship and so much trust there. um, He's like exceedingly gracious about it, which I appreciate because I don't know that I could be if it was him. I feel like I would have a little bit of a hard time, but like he, as long as our relationship foundation is strong and we're in a good place, he knows there's nothing to worry about. And so he is, he's, he's really, really good about it, which I appreciate. And also it's kind of essential that he's cool with it. Cause it's like part of my job on the regular, you know, so that's too. So what a wonderful sport yeah. um, he, he is. So <laughs> he happy, is, happy right? to hear it. He's so a good you, guy. <laughs> um, you mentioned in the, in doing your reels that you did some content about, uh, about raising a toddler. And, yes. uh, and so you have a, have a growing fan, have a growing family there. Mm-hmm. Um, as a parent myself, uh, to an 18 month old, yes. um, oh my gosh. I will, I will have to admit it takes a lot of energy. Um, it's wonderful, but it takes up a lot of my energy to oh, yeah. where when she, when she's in bed, I'm plopping down. You're just, just like chronically get... <laughs> tired when you have a young child at home. That's what <laughs> I've learned. Exactly. So yeah. I, if you, if you can provide any kind of inspiration on kind of navigating that or pushing through, cause it, it just seems like, you know, especially with writing films, you know, keeping up with your, your account. So there's a lot of work involved mm-hmm. in that. So, and then ra- uh, raising a child on, on top yeah. of that. So, uh, yeah, how <laughs> I feel like I just pale in comparison to what, what you're going, going through. So what uh, if you have any advice on how to put a push through push through fatigue or is fatigue something that you fa- uh, face um, when you're trying yeah. to pursue pursue ventures, but also um, you have someone that's relying on you in every sort of way? Yes, I think I think for me, key was having to let go of the, the concept of being super mom. Um and being a super mom who does it all herself, like that has never been something I've been able, even when she was little and I wasn't doing all of this, I still needed so much help. Um, I have a really um, capable co-parent and my husband, he's super engaged, which is awesome. Um, we don't have family in state, but my parents come to visit semi-regularly and they'll jump in and help. Um, and so I think really the only way to do for me to do all these things is to accept a ton of help and to sort of relinquish this idea that I have to be the primary caregiver and primary anything, you know, it's, it's a team sport. <laughs> like, and I think, um, it, it did get a lot easier because your daughter, you said your daughter is like 18 months old. I did find that it got easier when my daughter was like, she's now preschool aged. And so when like school's in the picture, it really helps a ton. Like, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how much, because then, you know, they are under someone else's care for a chunk of the day. And you can, that creates a little bit of a little bit more bandwidth. And so, um, for a while last year, she wasn't in school and I was still creating content and stuff, but I, there's no way I could have created content, written a screenplay, parented a child, auditioned as an actor, like done all these things. There's no way I could have done them all if during the time that she wasn't in school. Like, it's just, I don't, I mean, unless we got an Annie, which is not something that's in the cards for us right now. So yeah, I mean, it's a juggling act for sure. And I have to continually circle back to like, okay, what's important. What's most important. Um, and at the end of the day, I need to be present to her and be a good parent, but also I have work deadlines now, now that I'm writing. And so juggling that it's been really tricky. It's just involved a lot of like very much it's a village raising her, you know? 
Yeah, I can imagine, and I I do feel like moms have kind of an added pressure to be the the super mom, as mm-hmm. uh, as you describe. What was key for you to? I don't know if move past because I feel like that might be mm-hmm. something that you continue continually faced or get mm-hmm. get, temp, get tempted with. Um, but was was um, was there anyone you know, whether it be husband or fam- family that yeah. helped kind of get get out of that mindset of like oh I need to accomplish accomplish everything and be perfect at every, everything? It was it was more my circumstances. I had a really I had a physically complicated pregnancy and a very physically difficult postpartum recovery after birth. And so I physically could not do it all. There was actually physically a lot I couldn't do. So from like the very get go, I was I had to be super reliant on other people to help me as I was physically recovering. And so it wasn't even someone coming to me with this perspective of like, you don't have to do it all. It was literally me having to confront the actual reality of, I can't like physically cannot do it all. Um, and so because that was the precedent that was set from the beginning, although that was painful and clearly not what I had wanted or envisioned, it did help me in the long term to accept help and to allow other people to step in and and love and bond with my daughter, which was was really valuable. So that is a silver lining from like a difficult situation. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Well, Hannah, we're coming down the home stretch, and sure. uh, with each with each episode, we like to wrap up with a couple of questions for for our guest. So here's the first one, and um, if you can go back before before the movies and the screen, the screenplays and the wonderful successes you face, what is a moment in your life that made you feel like the coolest person in the world? <laughs> um, so when my, I, I don't, I've forgotten all the different like benchmarks of like baby development, but like, you know, when your baby's at the stage where they're like about to start laughing, like they're like almost, I don't know what that is yes. like six or seven months ish. Mm-hmm. I remember I put on my raincoat one night I was like going out to dinner with a friend and it made this funny crinkly noise. And my kid just started to bust a gut laughing. You know how like baby laughs, like the big belly baby, like there's nothing better. And I realized that if I like moved around or like danced around in my raincoat and made this crazy noise that she just thought that I was like the funniest thing she'd ever seen. And my kid just busted a gut for like five minutes. I don't think I've ever felt so cool as I did when I like made my baby laugh like that for the first time, there was nothing like it. There's nothing uh, better. That is beautiful. Oh, uh, man. Um, I can, I can really, it was, you say crinkly noise. We yes. had a similar experience where one of the first times our, our baby just like laughed the way you said it was like yeah. to wrap, it was like to wrapping paper. Yes. Like, what is that? We were like taking something out of a box and that crinkle, <laughs> and she just lost, she just lost it. and they laugh like with like such intensity and with like abandon there's there's just nothing better there's nothing better there really there really isn't so that's (laughs) that's amazing Uh, i love it um and then lastly what is the last thing big or small that brought you joy let's see oh well so this weekend or today actually shortly after this interview we're gonna go out to joshua tree for the weekend for like a getaway so Earlier this week, this trip kind of came up very last minute, but when the opportunity came and I jumped on it and realized, oh my gosh, we're going to get a weekend away. That brought me a lot of joy. It's like something about that change of scenery and also going out to the desert. is just, is wonderful. So yeah, I'm, I'm pumped about it. 
Oh, yes. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything you, um, you'd like to plug or just to, to let uh, listeners know uh, what they could be looking for you coming up? Um, the, the place online that I'm the most present is Instagram. I also post some on TikTok, but um, if you follow me on Instagram at Hannah M. Hines, like pretty much any updates or anything exciting that's happening or anything I can share, I'm going to share there. Um, the other platforms I'm kind of in and out of, but that's like the, that's where I would say to go ahead and follow if you want to like keep up to date. And like, once I'm able to share more details about the script and any acting things that come up, I totally will share in that space. Awesome. Well, we'll be looking forward to that. Um, this was an amazing experience and just thank you so, so much for sharing your story and just enlightening us on the journey, the journey of, of acting and screen screenwriting and just into your creative process as well. And, uh, I'm excited to see, uh, what comes up and for future announcements, um, as well. So, um, yeah, just can't thank you enough for, awesome. for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it.